swagger, okay? Regardless of what happens out there, doesn't matter. Keep your swagger. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Five Hole Fantasy Hockey. I'm your host today, TJ Branson, and today we got the last two interviews from the Athletic preview thing that we're doing. <laughs> um, but there's some cool news. It looks like the the third phase is underway. We got some dates, and uh, yeah, when Zach hops back on, we're going to be able to talk about that. What we want to do right now is we want to get to the interviews that we have for you guys. We have Anzar Khan from Detroit of Michigan Live, and we got Graham Nichols of the Athletic Ottawa to talk about Ottawa and Detroit. <laughs> so I hope you guys dig it. Yeah. So we're next week we're gonna have the Pacific Division, and then we're gonna wrap up these interviews. Go back to like some, you know, regular programming. Just Zach and I. That's about it. So, uh, all right. Let's uh, let's get to these interviews. Yeah. Like we're gonna start off with uh, Graham Nichols. How are you doing tonight, man? Not too bad. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. So it's, it's Graham, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's like all these these vowels and stuff. That violently yeah, Irish, I, is that right? Gaelic, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So um, everybody that might be listening down the line, we're joined with Graham Nichols. You guys can find him at Sixth Sense on Twitter. You're doing some work for the Athletic Ottawa. Uh, if there's anything else you're working on, Graham, feel free to go for it. Nope. That's, uh, that's perfect, man. That's awesome. Right on. So the idea here tonight is to pick your brain about the Sens, get a sense of what's to come, what's going to happen next year. And uh, for us, like projecting, um, just getting the perspective of somebody that's close to the team definitely helps us. So yep, for sure. on the Sens, I think it's fair to say that the most exciting thing about the team has got to be the future, right? <laughs> <laughs> the prospects, the young talent, it really shines. You got Batherson, Brown, Shabbat, Duclair, Kachuk, and that's not even really chipping off the top of the iceberg there, but the list does go on. So that's where I want to start. I want to start off with Shabbat, and I guess I'm going to start off with like a cheeky question here. Is he going to break the 40-minute mark next year? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he's like approaching Adrian Coin numbers, but uh, no, he had uh, he had a good year in terms of playing volume, uh, voluminous minutes. Um, mind you, there's nobody really that great behind him. That's, that's, that's essentially the problem with Ottawa, right? You have one really good defenseman, and you're hoping that Eric Brandstrom can... Yeah, be the be the good number two guy for them. Yep, um, you teed but, me up for that one. But man, yeah, no, it's uh, Shabbat's Shabbat's obviously the most exciting guy on the back end. You hope he can put up like ten goals, forty assists, give you like you know forty five to sixty points. That'd be a great season from him. And yeah, so do you think they want to dial him back a little bit? Is he still going to be chewing down these monstrous minutes? I, I, you know, it goes back to his junior days too, right? When he was playing for Team Canada, like he was logging a sh- like a ton of minutes. Oh, you can feel free to say um, whatever you want. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you you heard that too. Um, yeah, you heard that. Um, he he can do it. He can he can do it. But you wonder. It, it depends on next season, right? Like they're going to start in January. You have no idea if it's going to be like a load management kind of season for the Senators or for anyone else, right? So that's that's kind of going to be the weird part about next season, especially from a fantasy yeah. perspective. Like, our team's going to rest their big guns. And 
yeah, like it, it's exciting in the sense that like he should be still logging those kind of minutes because right now there's absolutely no one who can replace what he does on the ice. And you don't think Brandstrom's that kind of guy? I don't, I just don't think he's there yet. I, okay. I think it's still too early. It depends on how much they trust him defensively. Um, maybe he's a 15 to 20 minute guy next year. Uh, he's going to play some PP, but uh, Brandstrom's a guy who obviously could cut into a little bit of the PP time, right? Like right. Brandstrom's got that offensive savvy, so who knows what they'll do? It's 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 pretty intriguing. So let's move now to Kachuk in a fantasy world. He's an absolute bang daddy. He's got three hundred shots, three hundred hits. At least he was on pace for that this year, and seems to have really high potential offensively. Uh, just a downright stud for anybody that owns him. Do you think that is something that we can count on going year to year? Just the violent the amount of hits, the 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 shots are always there. That's it. He's like he's a crazy volume shooter. Uh, if you look at his metrics, he, it's ridiculous. And you look at who he's been playing with down the middle, and you know he played with Mark Stone in his first year, right? And and Mark Stone's a phenomenal two way player, but Kachuk has never really had that number one pivot who can make him like a phenomenal phenomenal complimentary piece and i think if he ever gets that it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome and uh hopefully the senators land that number one center in the draft this year but um yeah. you know he's he's still kind of stuck in that like 20 goal 40 point like he hasn't been the great like playmaker to this point yet either right so i i think there's a ton of upside there in terms of fantasy potential in terms of points and production it's just he's got to get better teammates and that's kind of like the crux. Of, well, that's essentially the problem with anyone in Ottawa these days. You need, you need to support these guys. There's a ton of oh, value. for sure. And the next guy, Anthony Duclair, he he was one of the better guys that we could have owned uh, for the first half of the season. And then it kind of just tapered off a little bit. What did you notice about that second half that really uh, toned him down a bit? So I think the thing with Declare is you're right. Like his his shooting percentage regressed. Right. Like, yeah. I think in the first half, like he was he was doing fantastic. He put up like 20 something goals before the all-star break. <laughs> and, and then it just cooled off. He finished with 23 goals, but I was looking at his shooting rate metrics, uh, in the first half of the second half and in the second half, he was shooting just as often as he was in the first half. It's just stuff wasn't going his way. And he, you know, he had a little bit of that bad luck, but, um, he, like his numbers were going to regress anyways. Yeah. So I think I can see that. You know, like he had a career year. He had a great bounce back year. Ottawa got him on the cheap from uh, Arizona, or sorry, Columbus. My bad. Um, and it was just one of those seasons where he broke out and he kind of established himself. He had a lot to prove, and I think he had that kind of bounce back season that his career needed. And he might be feeling a little bit more comfortable. But like Kachuk, he needs a good number one center or a good second line center to play with to get him that puck and to create those odd man chances. And I don't know if Ottawa has that right now. Like if he lines up with Chris Tierney or, or whomever, like they just don't have that like dynamic center. Who's going to be uh, like a difference maker on that end. So I like, I, I, I really don't know what his ceiling is in terms of goal production. Like we talked about his shooting regression. Yeah. He, I don't know. Maybe he's a 25 guy, 30 goal guy at his best, but like, I wouldn't bank on that, especially on an Ottawa team. that's probably not going to be that good over the next like year, maybe two years. So this was just maybe like crashing down to earth all within the same year. I, I just wonder if it's like a good numbers on a bad team kind of guy where like, okay. you know, like the more he plays on a good team, he'll, he'll be bumped lower in the pecking order. Like he's never going to supplant uh, Brady Kachuk on the first line. Right. Right. And then it really depends on what Ottawa like has happened for them at the draft this year. Like if they wind up getting Lafreniere, like what happens to Duclair? Does he start on the third line? Does he play on the second line? What does that do to his PP minutes? Like, 
there's a lot of there's a lot of dynamics going on with him, and yeah. it'll be interesting to see what happens after June. We'll have a better idea of where he stands. I definitely want to talk some hypotheticals when we do get to the entry draft. Uh, but I'm curious, what do you imagine a contract looking like for him? Uh, with, Are they intent? I, 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 yeah, yeah. It. I really don't know. I like okay. I, it. Like. I've seen people defend him. Like I wrote an article for the athletic. It was my last article for them uh, that kind of talked about what his future could be with the organization. And, you know, he, he's a guy who has obviously a lot of great offensive talents, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of warts to his game. And as an overall uh, player, uh, he, he almost takes away just as much as he gets offensively. Um, So, is that a guy that you want to lock up long term? And I, I really think that's a, a serious question that Pierre Dorian has to ask himself this offseason is like, what kind of contract do you want to give to Claire? Is it a short term deal? I think that'd be preferable, but is that going to come at the cost of giving him a little bit more money so he so he's comfortable signing here? Um it, it's a great question, man. It's a really great question. <laughs> I'm gonna have the same question about Connor Brown. <clears throat> Excuse me, somebody that I think they do like. I mean, he leads all forwards from Ottawa in ice time so it's somebody that i believe that they trust just looking at the numbers here um what do you think of his contract <sighs> he's a guy that dj smith likes right like he's he's a little bit of the opposite of anthony declare situation like he's a guy who maybe didn't produce as much as he could have given what he he produced on the ice but at the same time he provided a lot more defensively than he, than uh, Anthony Duclair did. Um, but again, you're talking about a guy who's probably like a 40 to 50 point guy on a right. good team, right? Um, it, it, honestly, if you went down Ottawa's lineup, you're like, oh, that's a 40 point guy. Oh, that's a 40 point guy. <laughs> yeah. like, like none of these guys are going to be difference makers unless you get to like a Brady Kachuk or a Tom Shabbat. Like yeah, right now, it's, it's hard to project any of these guys safely going forward, maybe with the exception of like Eric Brandstrom. Do you think Connor Brown kind of keeps that same workload though over 20 minutes? I think so. Like he's going to be one of those guys that lines up in a top six capacity that DJ Smith relies on, relies on to play against like the other team's best lines. And I think it's going to be that way going forward. But again, hopefully Ottawa supports him with a great center and uh, brings in some more offensive talent, gives these guys some, some more talent to work with. It, it's, it's, it's exciting to think about because there's a good compliment of guys who are already here. It's just a matter of supporting them properly. So on this entry draft, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of, uh, I'm hearing you say center a lot, but I'm just like replacing that with Quentin Byfield here. Do you imagine that he would be um, top line at that rate? <sighs> he's he's young, right? He's late birthday. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if he'd step yeah. in the lineup next season. Uh, that's a really good question because it might be one of those team candidate situations where it's like he's such a young kid that you probably don't want to overwhelm him right away. But uh, like – I don't know. Like if the senators wind up getting like a fourth or the fifth overall pick, uh, depending on how the ping pong balls bounce, uh, maybe they get a Marco Rossi who may not have the upside that a lot of people project to Byfield, but he might be more NHL ready next season. So there's a little bit of give and take and, and I don't know. I don't know what happens. It's, it's just one of those things like you can, you can discuss this like ad nauseum and it's just, it, you have no idea how it's going to unfold for Ottawa, but it's exciting to think about from Ottawa's perspective. So that was one scenario out of three here. So the second one is they get the first overall pick and they, they go for Lafreniere. And yep. if I'm remembering correctly, he's a left wing. And so is Kachuk. Uh, yep. Do you see Kachuk then Lafreniere going down in the top six? Uh, probably just because of, you know, experience levels, age, Fair. size. Um, Kachuk's done it. He's, he's done it since his freshman year. And it would take a lot of pressure off the young kid. Um, so that'd be the way I would see a shakeout. But um, 
Yeah, but what would that do to declare, right? And it kind of goes yeah. back to one of your earlier questions. And then you got Alex Formanton as well, who's who had a really strong AHL season. So where does he fit in? Um, coming up as left winger as well. Let's say they get pick number three. Do you think they go for somebody like Rossi, or are they maybe go defense? <sighs> Drysdale's up there. Yeah. Um, it's it, Ottawa. Well. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like there's there's a there's so many different layers to it all right like you look at ottawa's blue line moving forward you have brandstrom is supposed to be a blue chip guy you have uh, bernard docker who's supposed to be there but you have like he's going back to north dakota next season so you don't really know when he's coming or how good he'll be how soon well, you know maybe it'll be two years before bernard docker's a productive guy so maybe they roll the dice on a guy like drysdale who knows or jake sanderson's another guy who's been talked about in the top 10 but um Ottawa's in one of those weird situations, right? They have a lot of draft picks early, so they could go high end forwards really early in the draft and then roll the dice. Like talking to a few of my athletic colleagues uh, who do a lot of the prospect watching, um, they've talked about how there isn't a huge gap in talent between, you know, like the Drysdales and Sanderson's to the guys who are projected to go in the second round. So with Ottawa's bevy of picks in the second and third round, maybe that's what they do. Maybe they go high end forwards uh, early on and then roll the dice on defensemen in the second and third. How do you see almost the the totem pole of prospects going out? Are we still going to be able to see guys like Brandstrom? Uh, I suppose we already have. I meant to say Batherson here, but uh, Batherson, Thompson, uh, Josh Norris, any of these guys, are they going to move down the pecking order if they, if they yeah. start loading up? Yeah, I think Batherson is 100% going to play in Ottawa next season. Um, he'll probably start in Ottawa out of the gate. Um, Lassie Thompson is coming to North America. He's come back to North America, I should say, from Finland. Um so he's an, there's another offensive guy that you can possibly get excited about in terms of fantasy points down the road as a right defenseman. Um, but beyond that, like Josh Norris will probably play next season. But he's he's an intriguing guy, right? Like looking back at his his prospecting analysis, like he was a guy who was supposed to be like a good, great like third line guy. Maybe his ceiling is a second line guy. But what kind of second line center is he? And then he tore up the AHL. Like he was a top ten scorer in the AHL last season. So maybe. Maybe people downplayed his like offensive acumen, uh, or maybe they just didn't like his offensive acumen based off his skill, his raw skills. But um, maybe he just thinks the game really high at a high level. And Mark Stone was a similar kind of player, right? Like nobody really projected him to be like a really good fantasy option. And, and he is. Yeah, he exceeded just because just because he had a great awareness for the game and his hockey IQ is phenomenal and maybe the tools aren't that sexy, but the guy gets the job done just based off how he reads the game and how he reads plays, right? Um, yeah, so Josh Norris, it, like, yeah, like Josh Norris, we haven't really talked about, but like, it'll be interesting to see where he slots in next year because the Ottawa needs, needs good center. So maybe he's a guy who slides in as a two or three to start, but at least, look at Colin white. He's struggled last season offensively. So it wouldn't, wouldn't take a lot for Josh Norris to supplant a guy in the pecking order. There was so, a lot of, um, like movement movement too. I, I saw Chris Tierney would be on the top line and then it would be somebody else the next day and Tierney would be on line four. Is there a yeah. lot that I can put into the, like how much stock can I put into the actual line combos that come out? Well, it, it all kind of got shooken up a little bit after Pajot got traded. So uh, yeah, I think, I, right. I, I think Tierney is probably the safe bet to start on the top line probably, which is kind of scary when you think about it in the big picture. But um, I who knows? I guess it really depends on the draft. Like it's it's such a fluid situation, and and that it's just really weird. Like they have a bunch of guys who could go out and get you forty, like thirty five to fifty points, no problem. But it's just like they don't have the dynamic guys yet 
who are at that age where they can be difference makers. And maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe they'll pick one and two and be able to get like a Lafreniere who can come in right away and put up like 60 plus points. No problem. And that would be awesome. But, um, it's, it's right now we just, we just don't know. So I want to touch on the, the goalie situation right now. You got Anders Nilsson. Um, first of all, how's he doing? Is he still hurt? And then Craig Anderson. Um, so Pierre Dorian had a media availability about two weeks ago. And one of the questions was asked of him, um, what's Anders Nielsen's health situation? Because he didn't play a lot in the second half of the season uh, with a concussion. And uh, Dorian indicated that um, everything was great. He's clean bill of health. The, the only hurdle left for him was to uh, get back on the ice and make some, uh, make some saves, stop the puck. Okay. And, uh, from, from all fronts, he's good to go. Um, so we'll see what happens. And then you obviously have Marcus Hogberg in a backup situation. Um, I don't know. Sorry. Looking at Ottawa's situation, I've made, I've made the suggestion before online, uh, that I wouldn't hesitate to offer like Robin Lane or a multi-year contract because I, I don't have a ton of confidence in what Ottawa has right now, whether it's Anders Nielsen's health situation or, uh, Hogerberg's, um, track record like he's a guy who's i think he's only had one season at a professional level in north america where his save percentage was above 915 right um but granted he's played behind some bad defenses in belleville or binghamton and uh in ottawa so hogberg is one of those big body goalies who's athletic enough and it's just same with nielsen actually and it's just a matter of what are these guys? Are they league average goalies who can play every second or third game for Ottawa or are they more? And I think the answer isn't really out there. It's just, it's hard to really project these guys because you they haven't really played behind anything great in Ottawa over the last couple of years. So, so is it safe to assume that Craig Anderson's gone? Uh, at 39 years old next season, I would 100%, I would 100% say Craig Anderson's gone. But at the same time, like, if the organization thinks it needs another veteran guy just to kind of support the system and, and, and maybe give them a bit of a break because they have two young guys in Belleville next season and like Joey Decord and uh, Philip Gustafson. Yeah. So like they're one injury away from calling up one of those really young guys who isn't really that well tested at the minor league level. So maybe they, maybe they, maybe it would be a situation where they have a guy like Craig Anderson be a third goalie and just carry him on like a, a really inexpensive deal. Like who knows, who knows? I wouldn't put it past them. <laughs> so barring any trades or signings or anything like that, who would be the in-house answer long-term in-house answer long-term? That's a great question. Um, based on pedigree, I would say Philip Gustafson, but I feel like Joey Decord is probably like the sleeper guy, like the mm -hmm. competitive, really athletic guy coming through the system. But, like who knows like if they drafted like askarov in the first round of this year's draft i'd be like okay well there's your guy like yeah. who knows like the, the draft could take this organization in so many different directions like you have no idea especially without having that like they have three first rounders and like i wouldn't put it past dorian to like try and trade up with the first rounder or the islanders first rounder so it's like you have no idea there hey, it's, it's kind of exciting because they have so many second rounders and third rounders too that where you can you can make a nice move to move up in the draft, but who knows? Who knows? It's just it's a it's it's a weird team, man. It's a weird time to be a Sens fan. Well, it is. It's exciting though. There's a lot in the pipeline, and I think that's what's most exciting about it. There, I, I find myself when I'm in dynasty drafts and stuff like that, just keep going back to the Ottawa pool because I know with all this talent that eventually they are going to be a team that can surpass that 50 point ceiling almost all around, and and 
I, I think a lot of them are going to get into that 60 and 70 point area, especially like Kachuk and these, these high end guys and Batherson. I mean, hopefully I think he's just going to be, you know, useful. I don't know how offensively gifted he's going to be, but uh, he's going to be fun to watch. Like for me, I feel like Kachuk could be like a Brandon Gallagher kind of guy, like that mm-hmm. net front presence who can get you like 30 goals and, and just be a little shit to serve on the ice as well. Right. Like rack up all those categories that you, you know, you need, you need that in. And it's, he's just, a, he's a fun guy to have too. Like he's yeah. just that guy. He's that agitating guy that you just want to have on your team. Well, I tell you what, Graham, that's all the questions I got for you, man. It was a lot of fun talking to you. Thanks for stopping Sweet. by brother. No, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. So one Thanks more time, you guys out. can find Graham on Twitter at sixth sense and you guys can read his work on the athletic and, yeah, buddy. See you later. No, I appreciate it. Thanks. All right, guys. That was Graham Nichols about the Ottawa Senators. Lots to look forward to there. We've got a good amount of prospects coming out of there, too. So I think in five years, they're going to be a pretty healthy team. Hopefully, if you're in Dynasty Leagues, you are finding yourself at the Ottawa well, because I think uh, there's a lot of value to be had there, and they're going to trend up. Eventually, they're going to trend up. Uh, next up, we got Anzar Khan of M Live, Michigan Live, and he's going to be talking about the Detroit Red Wings and... Again, another another team that has nothing but potential eventually. And that's what we're going to hope for here. And uh, Anzar is going to be a- answering our questions. Uh, basically, stuff I was curious about. Zach was, uh, Zach was here for that part of the episode. So he's popping in and just the stuff that we were curious about from the Detroit Red Wings. So feel free to ride along. And here we go. We're going to be joined with Anzar Khan. If you guys want to find him, you guys can find him on Twitter at Anzar Khan M Live. You guys can read his work at MLive.com. So the idea here tonight is to pick your brain about the Red Wings. And I think on the forefront of Red Wings fans has got to be the lottery. Having Alexi Lafreniere on Larkin's wing has got to be pretty exciting. Do you think that's where he would line up? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, not initially, at least. If the Red Wings do win the lottery, uh, they have an 18.5% chance. Certainly the number one pick, whoever wins the lottery, is going to be Lafreniere. And I imagine he would uh, make the team, uh, any team that selects him right out of training camp here, and if the Red Wings get him, though, I, I, I don't think he would be on Larkin's line. I think uh, Larkin's line had uh, some good chemistry. They had it going before the season was uh, shut down with, uh, with Anthony Mantha and Tyler Bertuzzi. I, I think Blaschel would be inclined to, uh, to stick with that line, at least at the start. But uh, certainly uh, Lafreniere would play uh, you know, on what, what would be considered their second line. Uh, you know, likely with uh, Philip Zadina. So the next question I got for you is about the cap situation. It seems like Detroit kind of has more free agents than not this offseason. I mean, you got Mantha, Bertuzzi, Perlini, Howard. The the list keeps going on and on and on. How do you see the Wings approaching this offseason? Yeah, they do have quite a bit, uh, a lot of restricted free agents that they uh, have to sign. I believe they've got a dozen. Now, they're not going to sign all of them. They'll let a few go. They've got a couple of unrestricted free agents who uh, won't be back. Uh, 
Jimmy Howard, veterans Howard, uh, Jonathan Erickson, and Trevor Daly are unrestricted. Uh, they won't be resigned. But out of the restricted free agents, um, you know, we don't know uh, how this whole pandemic, yeah. the shortening of the season and all that, uh, how that's going to affect the salary cap. But it's not really a concern for the Red Wings. They've got ample cap space to sign their own players, the ones that they want to sign. And the big ones there are, of course, Mantha, Bertuzzi, and uh, Robbie Fabry, just off the top of my head. Uh, They've got several others, uh, some of the younger players too. But uh, certainly, uh, you know, Perlini's a guy, he was just, just had a a brutal season right from when they got him from Chicago. Uh, I can't imagine that he would be re-signed. And uh, there might be one or two others that they don't make a qualifying offer to. But other than that, uh, there, there'll be no problem uh, signing the, the players that they that they want to bring back. And, and it, that would be, I would guess, uh, you know, maybe 10 out of those 12 uh, players, uh, certainly Perlini and maybe one or two others that they uh, don't uh, re-sign. All right. Out of Larkin, we saw 73 points in 76 games in 1819. That was slowed to a 53 and 71, which would be a 61 point pace if he was given that full season. Is this a product of Detroit as a whole taking a step back? Or do you think there was something closer to Larkin, more personal that played into it? I think it was a product of just being on a really bad team. I mean, historically bad. This team finished with the third worst winning percentage in Red Wings history, just void of talent especially offensively. They finished averaging two goals per game, which was by far the worst in the league, I think by by more than a half a goal a game. Uh, I think that certainly played into it. I think also, uh, you know, not being able to to play uh, with Mantha and Bertuzzi for a full season. Uh, They started out together, you recall, they started out the season three and one. Mantha had a four-goal game. Uh, the, the, in their home opener, the second game of the season. He got off to a hot start, and then uh, a little later he got a knee injury, and then he got punctured lung, missed quite a few games. Uh, I, I think had uh, he been relatively healthy and they had been able to keep that line intact for most of the season, certainly you would have seen better numbers from Larkin. So <clears throat> I don't think that's really uh, too much of a concern. He certainly took a step back from last season, but uh, it's not something that the uh, wings are worried about. He still kind of got that play in his wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah he he scored, uh, I believe, thirty-two goals. Uh, I want to say he hit the seventy-point mark uh, two years ago. I think that's certainly closer to the player that you'll see uh, on a regular basis. The, the kind of numbers that you would see, yeah, you will see from him uh, moving forward. I think as soon as they get acquire more skill. Uh, to surround him as soon as some of these younger players like, uh, you know, like a Zadina, uh, if they, whoever they get in the draft, whether it's Lafreniere or, or Byfield or Steitzel, eventually over the next couple of years, guys like Valeno and certainly if Svechnikov, there's some question whether or not, you know, he'll be part of the future, but if he is, certainly he would be in the mix. And, and, and the other thing too is that the power play has been so bad mm-hmm. And it was just horrendous last year. That's something that uh, they certainly have to get turned around. You know, if they can get more out of their power play, that, that of course, uh, is going to help with more production as well. Do you think Phil Horonic is kind of the guy to run that top power play, or is somebody like Denny Chalowski, is he throwing his hat into the ring there? 
Well, Chalowski, uh, they, they were hoping Chalowski would be the guy. He was their, their top pick in 2016. And he, he certainly, he play, you know, he has that poise, the offensive ability. He's been really bad defensively the last couple of years. He may, in each of the last two years, he made the team uh, out of training camp, and it looked promising. But then, uh, you know, a couple months into the season, the, the, the defensive lapses and the miscues uh, just repeated over and over again to the point where they had to send him to Grand Rapids both years. So there's certainly a big question mark whether he will be that guy. Uh, you know, he'll get another chance next season at training camp, but uh, you have to wonder uh, how many more chances he will get. You know, Hironic, he could be that guy. He uh, certainly uh, improved uh, this past season. Right. He has offensive skills, too, and he was really their best offensive defenseman. Uh, another guy who uh, he improved defensively, uh, but still has a, has a ways to go in that area. Mo Sider, top pick uh, in 2019. Uh, he's not regarded as quite the offensive player, as uh, as as Chalowski or, or even Hronik uh, came into the league as, uh, but he does have offensive ability. Uh, he's more of a uh, puck moving defensive type guy who has he has some offensive upside, some potential there, but it remains to be seen just uh, you know how much offense he can provide. Who knows? Maybe he would uh, eventually develop into that number one point man on the power play but uh you know that remains to be seen but that certainly wasn't uh wasn't his forte uh, it wasn't the reason uh, steve eiserman uh made him a surprise pick at number six last year mostly yeah, yeah. His defensive ability and his defensive ability his ability to get just to play with poise and get the puck out of the zone quickly move it to the forwards without uh, efficiently and uh without making mistakes and coughing it up uh those are his strengths. Well, you know what? Like, uh, I'm here actually answering uh, some some of our questions without us even asking them. And and one was about Moritz Sider and why he was picked so high and what an unexpected thing that was. I know you also brought up Joey Valeno. Once he got to the AHL, he kind of saw his numbers drop from where he was at in the QMHL. Now, is this a little more realistic with the half point of a game that he was getting there? Pretty much, do you see him needing to kind of marinate down in the minors a little bit longer before he even has a chance to make it up to the big team? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, you're looking at, uh, you know, Valeno, uh, it was a tough transition the first half of the season to the pro ranks for him, which isn't surprising. I mean, that happens to to most players, I think. Uh, he had a good uh, World Junior Championship with Canada, and that kind of, that really gave him uh, some momentum, some confidence and he played better uh, after that when he returned to Grand Rapids. But, uh, yeah, I definitely he needs some more seasoning in Grand Rapids. I could see him spending uh, most of most or all of the season next year in, in Grand Rapids, certainly at the start. and uh, But also maybe getting, you know, depending on how he plays down there, uh, getting a look, uh, getting a call up from the Red Wings uh, at some point, uh, you know, mid to late season just to, get him a, a feel for the NHL and, and, and just see how he's progressing. Of course, that's also assuming that there is an AHL season. Um, you know, uh, never know. You never know because it, it is a, uh, a gate-driven league, and if fans aren't allowed to uh, attend games, you know, I, I don't know uh, 
what the status of that league would be next season. But, uh, you know, it's still a long ways to go before that's all sorted out. So guys like Zadina and Rasmussen, we saw a little bit of these guys this year. I'm wondering where you kind of see a ceiling with these two. Uh, Zadino had a good uh, good season. A good he took another step. Um, I think he had something like 15 points in uh, 28 games uh, with the Red Wings after he was called up uh, in November. Uh, and he, he was you could see he was making progress. He was gaining confidence. He was finding ways to get himself open in his sweet spot, which is that uh, the uh, the right handed uh, circle there. Uh, you know, with the, the being a left-handed shot, he mm-hmm. likes to set up there for that one-timer and un- unleash his shot. And he's got a terrific shot. So he was making progress until uh, he uh, suffered a, uh, it was a fractured ankle uh, that set him back. He was out for quite a while and he was actually skating and uh, he would have, uh, had the season not been suspended, uh, he would have come back and played uh, certainly the last uh, nine or ten games. Uh, and then he would have returned to Grand Rapids, and uh, they were hoping that the Griffins would make the playoffs and get him some more experience that way too. But, uh, yeah, I think it was a good year uh, for Zadina in taking another step. And who was the other player? Rasmussen. Oh, Rasmussen, yeah. Right. he uh, Another injury played year, uh, I believe it was a back injury that set him back in Grand Rapids. He's a guy that the it was kind of a weird situation with him two seasons ago as a rookie, he wasn't eligible to play in the AHL because he had junior eligibility. So the only options were go back to juniors at Tri-City in the Western League or remain on the NHL roster. And the Wings decided, you know, he was too good for the juniors. He'd accomplished whatever he could there. And they didn't think he was going to grow much by, by sending him back. So they kept him on the NHL roster uh, and, you know, and certainly uh, at his age and, and coming right from juniors to the NHL, which is, a, you know, not many players able to do that. It was a learning experience for him. So it was important for him this past season to get to the AHL and get some experience that way. He's a guy that uh, they're really grooming to be a center and a, and a net front guy on the power okay. play with his huge size, his six foot six size. <laughs> He's a monster. Yeah. Those are the roles they see him in. Right now, it would I, I'm guessing that he would uh, start next season in Grand Rapids. But, no, you know what, maybe, it, it, certainly he'll be competing for a job, uh, competing for that third-line center spot um, uh, next season on the wings. And in the future down the line, probably, you know, I think there's some question, can he, can he be a second-line center or can he be a third-line center? Mm-hmm. And I think the way that they kind of envision it they kind of envision, obviously, Larkin, number one center, Joe Valeno. Uh, they would hope that he develops into their second-line center. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, Rasmussen is, is a third-line center and then that front guy in the power play. But obviously, you know, plans change. Uh, who knows if they if they wind up with a second pick and take another big center, yeah. by yield, uh, you know, then certainly all bets are off and you don't know how that's going to would you imagine Larkin would be on top of the totem pole, or do you think Byfield could challenge for a one C there? No, uh, you know uh, Larkin would certainly uh, would still be the the one the number one center. Byfield, uh, who knows whether he could make the the NHL roster as or as a rookie? Right, it might take him uh, another year of uh, seasoning. 
and and and, and take some time because it, that 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 is a uh, certainly is a is a big jump. Next up, I kind of want to talk about the goalie situation and what's kind of happening in net. Now, I know that obviously Jimmy Howard, uh, free agent, right, uh, right, coming up here. Not really sure what's going to happen with him, but then you have Bernier right behind him, and he's going to be a free agent very soon. And it's not like they have too many goalies in the pipeline that I've really um, that I've really noticed and kind of stuck out to me. What in the world is kind of happening between the pipes in Detroit? Yeah, that that is a position of concern uh, now and into the future. Bernier will enter next season as the number one guy, uh, a job that he pretty much took over in December. And considering the team he was playing behind, I mean, all things considered, he had a good season. And he's got the one more year left on his contract. I believe he turns 32 uh, this summer and fall. And uh, if he has another good season, I can certainly see them re-signing him to a short-term contract. So he could be here for a few more years. Uh, this has to, certainly has to be it for Jimmy Howard. And he was just uh, had a really bad season. I mean, historically bad. Just never. Uh, he actually won the season opener in Nashville. And then he won only one more game. I, th- I believe it was against Edmonton uh, in late October. And then that was his last win. Uh, it was just a colossal, monumental struggle. He just never got it going. Uh, he's a free agent. He won't be re-signed. Uh, they, they will need to uh, look to the free agent market uh, to get a backup to Bernier. There, there, you know, there's, there's several options out there. Uh, they'll be looking for a, uh, you know, a, a lower-priced guy, uh, I'm guessing under $3 million a year for maybe two years, somebody like uh, Cam Talbot, Dell, the guy from uh, San Jose is out there. What about, say, James Reimer? James Reimer, what's his uh, status? I I don't recall him being on the free agent list. Is he he free agent? Well, uh, so both him and Morazic here in Carolina are going to be free agents. So it's going to pretty much be shit or get off the pot time. And I, I don't know if they plan on having kind of a goalie battle or if they want to more or less just give the job to Peter Morazic. Yeah, I'm not familiar with Reimer. I, I don't recall uh, remembering back to the list I put together uh, a month or so ago. I don't recall Reimer's list uh, name being on there, so I'm not sure uh, how he would figure into the plan. Uh, I, I do only know sack him the, because he's he's moderately cheap and he's a yeah. decent goalie. Yeah. Well, if, if that's the case, if he is uh, unrestricted uh then uh, certainly you could uh, toss his name in there as a list of possibilities because there's some, you know, there, there's some higher end goalies, which, you know, uh, the wings won't be uh, in the market for. They're not going to go out and sign a Braden Holtby. You wouldn't even be interested in coming here, but they certainly they wouldn't be interested in spending that much. Uh, you know, a guy like Corey Crawford, who's been with Chicago for so long. There's Markstrom. I, I got to imagine Vancouver is going to resign him. Uh, a couple of backup goalies, uh, Kudobin. You know, I, I think some of those goalies, uh, some of those backup goalies, will will, will want to stay where they're at. Hmm. Um, but uh, there will be some options, some guys looking for uh, for better opportunities or or, or maybe a better deal than than what their uh, current teams are offering them. I got I got a good one for you. What about Robin Leonard? Yeah, uh, Leonard. Uh, I, I can't imagine that uh, I can't I, I don't think he would want to come here I, I imagine he would want to go 
to a better team, a better situation. Uh, and uh, I think you'd probably be out of, I mean, he's had some, a couple of good seasons here. Probably want to go somewhere where he's an unquestioned starter. Probably more money than the, than the Wings are, are willing to spend. Okay. Sounds like the Wings are kind of going for a stopgap. Oh, ab- absolutely. Right. Because they're not going to win next year, r- regardless of who they get. Um, <laughs> they're, I mean, they're, they were so far. It wasn't even close. How, yeah, that how, gold how differential. Far the the, they were, I, I think they were, uh, what, 29 points or behind uh Ottawa, the second worst team, so they're they're not going any they're they're not going anywhere uh, anytime soon. Uh, so definitely a stopgap that they're that they're looking for, and and the hope is that uh, you know they've got a couple of goalies in their system that are somewhat promising. The number one guy coming into the year was uh, was Philip Larson. He had a couple of good years uh, in uh, in the U in the in the US uh, HL with Tri City and then at, at the University of Denver, but he struggled uh, his first year of pros. It was a tough transition for him, but still, you know, uh, it takes goalies a while to develop, and you can't really read too much into a one bad year for a young goalie like that. Keith Petrozelli, draft pick from a few years ago, he had a, had a good. Uh, He's, he's, he's actually had a, a good couple of seasons. He's, he's, he's at, uh, at Quinnipiac, and uh, Victor Bratstrom, a tall, I believe, six foot five goalie, and had a good year in Sweden. Uh, so they've got some possibilities there. But with goalies, it's I, I think it's harder to predict that position, how they're going to translate yeah. once they get to the NHL level, and that's why you don't see many goalies selected real high. Now, there's a guy in the draft this year that the Red Wings really like. Askarov, right? Askarov, yes. Um, and there was some thought that, you know, if, if the Wings dropped to fourth in the draft, would they take Askarov at number four? Because they're certainly not going to take him one, two, or three. And and I wouldn't, you know, Eiserman surprised last year with the cider pick, but I, I would guess that he would not take a goalie at number four. You never know with with Eiserman. He's unpredictable. <laughs> but I, I don't think – and the reason I don't think he'll take a goalie at number four is um, as much as he's stressing patience and he knows this, this is going to take time, it's going to take a lot of time for that for that an 18-year-old goalie yeah. to the NHL. Yeah. It, it's going to take a while. I think if they were to take a defenseman like Jamie uh, – Drysdale, uh, I think that would be a more logical pick. He could provide not certainly not immediate help, but he could provide help uh, quicker than uh, than a goalie. Tell you what, man. Thanks for hopping on. We appreciate your time for sure. One more time, you guys can find Anzar on Twitter at Anzar Khan M Live, and you guys can find his work on MLive.com articles there yeah man once again i hope you have a good night thanks so much for stopping on with us yes glad to be with you guys take care brother all right guys that was ansar khan of m live michigan live and you guys can check him out uh, on twitter on line all that jazz that's going to be it for the episode so if you guys want to find us in the meantime before monday when the first episode of the Pacific comes out, you guys can find us on Twitter at FHF Hockey. You guys can join our Discord and chat with us there. Chat with everybody there. We'll catch you next time, guys. And we love you. <laughs>